is still in play. It's still applicable right now. And God prophesied so many powerful things. And I think we need to remind them, remember them, and run with them. And you know when God prophesies them to the church, who's the church? We're the church, right? Some of you aren't sure. You're the church. And so when God says acceleration of expansion, it's for you. It's for all of us. And I've heard so many testimonies from last year where God has really expanded and poured out blessing and favor because those individuals and families grabbed hold of that word. So I want to say today, you know, keep expecting acceleration of expansion. God prophesied it's a new era of conquest. What area do you need to conquer in your life? What's happening in your family that you're like, I need to really conquer? God also said, you know, the Lord of the breakthrough. Maybe there's a breakthrough that you've been believing for for a long time. Well, now's the time. You've got to still keep holding on to that. What about the importance and power of unity? That's not just for here inside the church. It's for your family. It's for your workplace. And understanding God has said it, and we need to hold on to it and run with it. Almost have talked about it, but we heard the message about global ministers. You're a global minister inside New Zealand. But we also heard that message about supernatural vocation, not vacation, vocation. You know, where you go tomorrow, whether you're a doctor or a dentist or a school teacher who are still like on four weeks holiday. Oh, man. Still in a jody about it this morning. I'm jealous. But anyway, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you have got a supernatural vocation. God has called you to it and anointed you for it. And we need to understand that, that there you are tomorrow with God's presence, empowering you to do that. Then that message and that thought about momentums, uh, moments or encounters with God. You know, the world is looking for the real thing. And if we don't have the real thing, if we are not encountering God, not just in church, but at home, when we're praying in the prayer room, then why would they want what we've got unless we've got the real thing? And God has prophesied these things to us, to all of us, and we need to still be expecting it and praying into it and declaring it. Maybe as I was reading out that list, something jumped in your spirit. Well, that's for you. That's for you now. And you know when God prophesies something? Inside that prophecy is the power to see it to happen. You see, it's going to happen if you believe in and expect it. So don't leave that in 2016. Grab it now and keep expecting it. Actually, on the... I've got to remember this rightly, but um, we've only seen it for a week. But on the calendar at home, it says something like this. Expect great things and great things will happen. What are you expecting God to do? It's so true. I didn't mention that in any other service. It's just for 11 o'clock service, so grab hold of it. Anyway, I can't believe a week has gone, 2017. Before we know it, it'll be Christmas well, it'll be November and Christmas trees will be up and all that. You know, it just happens so fast. But what's interesting about the start of the year, we make these resolutions. You know, last year, a whole lot of the youth made this resolution to not drink fizzy drink, and they, like, went the whole year without having fizzy drink. I think that's pretty incredible. I heard somebody made a resolution to have no McDonald's for all of 2017. Now, I can't do that because Zach and Emma, they like the McDonald's playgrounds too much. So I just, you know, when I'm there, you just just have to buy the, you know. But I haven't had the best start to 2017. See, the last week of last year, I went for a run and I almost died. 
So I haven't been for a run this year. I think I could get to November and I may still be able to say the same thing. But, you know, when we set resolutions, we set them with the thought of succeeding, not failing. And I believe God has created us that way. Because we all want to win and not lose, right? Yeah, you want to win? We all want to succeed and not fail. None of us want to be known as failures, do we? And I believe God made us with that inbuilt desire to be successful, to be victorious, which relates to that fantastic message that Pastor Tark shared last week on amazing grace. He defined grace, if you were here or not, just to remind yourself, he defined grace as the supernatural ability of God to be victorious in every situation. Let me say that again. The grace from God is the ability to be victorious every day. Man, I want that, right? Yeah. Pastor Tuck also put it another way. The empowering presence of God that enables you to be who he has created you to be and to do what he's called you to do. See, the truth is God's grace is available to every one of us to enable us to be victorious in every situation, no matter what we face. You know, a verse that jumped out, and I think I heard Pastor Kathy mention it, Isaiah 41 verse 10, where God says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Man, what a great verse that we heard at the day one of 2017. No matter what you face, God's saying, I'll strengthen you. I will help you. You know, receive that. I mean, that's powerful. That's, that's so, so important for us to understand. But then he also mentioned a verse, Romans 5, verse 20. It said, when, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And it really was that great start to the year. And I want to bounce off that thought of amazing grace to something that I feel God has laid on my heart for today. Almost part two, but kind of off to the side. So this morning I want to look at the battle within. Okay? Now this photo up here, that isn't Zach and I. Some of you are thinking, yeah, it is. No, no, I'm not quite that big yet. But maybe Zach does look at me that way when I'm standing there about to wrestle him and have some fun. But the image of the sumo wrestler is going to make sense in a moment. So let's just pray before we get into the message. Father, this morning, I I do just want to say thank you that as we gather around your word that you're here. God, I just release, Lord, the ability, Lord, for your presence to come and just really saturate our lives. God, that as we walk out of this place, Lord, we're changed. Lord, and that as we dive into your word, there will be lasting fruit. There will be lasting impact. Lord, that we will be able to turn around at the end of the year and say, so we've really been changed because of the steps we've taken. Father, I thank you that you're going to speak, God, so clearly in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me be a little bit honest with you. I'm not perfect. My wife is laughing because she knows it's very true. I may have grown up in church all my life, but I'm a sinner like the rest of us. And sorry to say you're a sinner too. You know why I know that? Because the Bible says so. Now, I could list all the sins I do, but I won't. I do speed in the car occasionally. Officer Noel Foley was here in the first service. I didn't have a ticket on my car, so I was quite lucky. I often find myself getting very frustrated with the kids 
you know, that thought of being a stay-home dad, man, these holidays, just, oh, yeah, if you're a stay-home dad and you, you're like close right next to God, I mean, that, but just that ability, anyway, you know, I certainly don't say the right thing, foot and mouth disease, I have that all the time. I could go on and on about the things I do, but what about the things I don't do? Because they're also sins. You know, I'm still feeling a bit convicted because we've got a new neighbor, and, and we, Jody and I really wanted to invite along to the Christmas service, but we never got around to it. You know, knowing that we should have done that, but didn't. You know, some days I feel like I'm winning in life, and other days I feel like just a complete failure. Have you ever asked yourself the question, I know I do, why after so many years of being a Christ follower, of attending church, of going to prayer meetings, of reading the Bible, of praying, have I not conquered sin in my life? Why is it still affecting me? Why am I still tempted every day to sin? Turn with me to Galatians 5 verse 17 because it has the answer. Let's have a look. God's electric power company. So up there, yeah. I better read that version. For the, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intention. See, this is the inner battle that I'm talking about. The battle of right versus wrong. The battle of good versus evil. Because that's what's raging inside of all of us every day. Late last year, Jody and I started attending a parenting course. And one of the revelations we got on the first night, that when our children, Zach and Emma, were born, or actually any child for that matter, they were born imperfect. Even though they look like these cute little angels lying there in the hospital. They're not. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. But the truth is, they are born with a heart that is bent towards sin. See, as parents, we don't just have to put a wall of protection around our kids from all the bad things of the world, and then they'll just stay perfect and stay, stay pure. They actually already have that sinful nature inside of them. We don't have to teach them to disobey. They just do it anyway. We don't have to teach them to want or take things that aren't theirs. It just happens. See, what I'm basically saying is from the day you and I are born to the day we die, we have a sinful nature. And that's what's battling with inside of us. If we have God in our lives, we have this battle that's going on every day that is happening. And that really is point one this morning. There is a battle raging inside of each and, one, each and every one of us. Why don't you turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 15. We're going to read from verse 15, but I'm going to read from a slightly different version. And this is Apostle Paul, you know, the great apostle who wrote so much of the New Testament. Here he's telling us how life is for him. Listen to these words, or you can read along with me. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. 
but I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am, that makes me do these evil things. It seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Are you hearing yourself in this? I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there is something else deep within me that is at war within my mind and wins the fight that makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself enslaved to sin. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature is still inside me. I love to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from the slavery to this deadly behavior? Thank God. It has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. You know what I love about this? Apostle Paul, he's just so real. He didn't try to say he was perfect. He was being honest. In 1 Timothy 1, he actually calls himself the worst or chief of sinners. You know, I can relate to what he wrote in Romans 7. Maybe you can too. He understood this inner battle that we all experience. If you look at Romans 7 verse 15 in the New King James, it it says this, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. See, this battle that's going on with, inside of us, that battle of good versus bad, he faced it, but we face it. And the best way I can illustrate it is kind of like this picture that you're going to see up on the screen here. It's kind of like on one side, we've got the Spirit of God. We've got the Spirit that dwells within us, our conscience whispering in our ear, telling us to, to do good, to don't do that thing. But then on the other side, we've got our sinful nature, our old man, even the devil whispering in our ear, telling us, just do it anyway. No one will know. Go with your feelings. Just do it. You know, and this battle's going on all the time. It's whispering in our ears the the whole time. Which brings me to point number two. We will never be free from temptation. I think this is really important for us to understand. Luke 17 verse 1. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, there will always be temptation to sin. You know, many of us think that when we're tempted, we've already lost. But that's not the truth. The truth is, is when we're tempted, we can overcome it. We haven't already been defeated. We haven't sinned. We aren't defeated when we get tempted. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says... We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. This is talking about Jesus. But he was in all points tempted as we are, yet did not sin. See, I want to think about this verse. Have a think about this. See, this verse isn't just talking about when Jesus went to the desert. See, Jesus was human in flesh. He was tempted when he was a kid. He was tempted when he was a teenager. He was tempted when he was an adult and he didn't sin. He's experienced it and yet he never sinned. 
You know, just during the week when I was preparing for this message, I was on my computer and searching for something, and all of a sudden, something popped up, and it was like, oh, where did that come from? And I was like, X, turn it, close, like, close the page down. You know, temptation just comes at us from everywhere. And it's so easy to fall into temptation. But we need to be ready. We need to be ready because they will come at us every day. The temptation is in the sin. It's what we do with that thought or that situation that leads to sin. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. This is really important. 1 Corinthians 10 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able or beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You hear that? See, the first line is really important. Temptation is common to man, and it is the power to overtake you. Temptation is powerful. Do you know that? But facing it doesn't mean that you're instantly going to give in to it. That is where that amazing grace that we heard about last week comes in. The ability to be victorious in any situation. Because God, did you hear that in that verse? God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. God won't allow you to be tempted or face a situation that you cannot handle through his grace. Not on your own, but through his grace. We can escape it through his help. We can endure it. That is the great news. You know, do you remember the example that Pastor Tuck used last week? And he said, you know, the different size grace, uh, the different size situations or trials that we face. But God's grace can meet it. God's grace is sufficient for every situation, just like this. It's the same. It's, you are, are able to overcome those temptations through God's grace. So practically speaking, how do we escape? How do we win? How can we be victorious over these temptations, over these things that battle or rage within us? You know, our attempt to control sin can be like that of trying to tame a wild animal, whether it be a snake or a crocodile. Usually it's a lion that we see on TV or in the circus. You know, the handlers want the lion to sit there and look cuddly like a little kitten. They want them to behave and stop being what they were intended to be. The only problem is a lion has basic instincts. A lion wants to hunt and it wants to kill. And every so often, even though they look tame, they still do it and you hear about it on the news. Because they're wild animals. And you can't take that away from a lion. It's who it is. But it's just the same with sin. Sin isn't a kitten. Sin is a lion. Sin will mess you up. I think too often we try to put our sin on a little chain. We try to control it and we try to go, oh, you'll have this little area over here that I just can come to, but it's under control. It's not under control, it's sin. Sin will, like I said, it'll mess you up. It'll destroy you. It wants to kill. Sin has one desire, to kill and to destroy. We need to stop trying to tame our sin or even play with it. You know, we need to stop that and treat it like it is, something that's very dangerous. You know, none of us would keep a little a lion at home, a nice little kitty, because one day it's going to bite your hand off. 
But it's just the same with sin. We try to do that. Which brings me to point three. Get a revelation of the effect of sin. Really, this is a whole message in itself. But the Bible clearly says the wages of sin is death. It's an eternity spent in hell. But there's also lasting consequences here on earth. You know, sin can cause us to have huge relationship issues with our families, with our kids, with our parents, also with anyone around us. Sin has consequences that gets past, the Bible says, down from generation to generation. Say to the third and fourth, that's the grandkids and the great-grandkids. Sin actually has an effect, even though you think no one sees. Science is even confirming right now that what the Bible has said for years, that it can affect us physically and mentally. And certainly sin has a huge impact on our relationship with God and our spirit man inside of us. There are consequences. They may not be apparent right now. You may be thinking no one knows, but the truth is it is hurting you. It is having an effect. If we continue to listen to that wrong voice that's sitting inside of us, if we keep giving in to that battle that rages on within us, the sin will take us to wrong places. The sin will cause our spirit man to become lukewarm, to get weaker. Our convictions in our spirit will become less. But then the temptations will get bigger. And this is where the sumo wrestler comes in. See, we all have areas, habits, or or sin that we struggle with. Things that we struggle with more than other areas in our lives. There's something, an area or two that we may be more susceptible to than other things. And the more we give into it, the bigger that becomes. A bit like a sumo wrestler. See, a sumo wrestler, he wasn't born. Now, I've never seen a female sumo wrestler, so we'll refer to him as a he, but maybe there are. But he wasn't born that big, was he? It took a lot of eating, a lot of determination, or maybe a lot of, a lot of lack of self-control to get that big. wonder what, how they did it. That, that's pretty big. But the point is, if we don't do something about our weakness, the weaknesses that are inside our lives, they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until they're sumo size. If we leave those weaknesses alone and just allow them to grow... They will get sumo-sized. You know, there's an American Indian-wise saying that's been passed down from generation to generation that really captures that. Let's have a look at it. My son, it says, there is a battle between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It's anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lies, and ego. The other is good, joy, Peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, and truth. The grandson, the boy, paused for a moment and asked, Grandfather, which wolf wins? The one you feed. Have a think about that. Which wolf wins? The one you feed. And this brings us to point four. What you feed wins. Why don't you tell the person next to you what you feed wins? See, what we feed grows, and what grows becomes the dominant force in our lives. 
Sin never stands still. It either grows or it withers, depending on whether you're feeding or not. Which side wins the battle in your mind? Proverbs 23 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And Jesus said this, The lamp of the body is the eye. When your eye is good, your body will be full of light. When your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness. See, a daily diet of violence, lust, anger, gossip, negative thinking, even depression will feed the sinful nature. One of the reasons why men and women struggle with lust and anger is because they're feeding those emotions continually all throughout the day. You know, it's really difficult to avoid sexual sin or outbursts of anger while continually watching media programs that promote them. As a matter of fact, studies have been done in many cases, if not all cases, of sexual violence can be traced back to pornography. See, but the opposite is true. Matthew Henry, the great theologian, said, the more we follow that which is good, the faster and the further we shall flee from that which is evil. How powerful is that? Let's read it again. The more we follow that which is good, the faster and the further we shall flee from that which is evil. In the end, the choice is ours. When it comes to what we watch or what we listen to, but why would we be willing to walk into the enemy's camp? Why would we feed the wrong desires and thoughts when they are nothing but feeding the war that's going inside our spirit? So I want to practically demonstrate my final point, point five. The one that I hope you're going to remember the most. Point five is starve the sumo, feed the spirit. Let's say it together. Starve the sumo, feed the spirit. Now I want to say that I came up with this thought myself, but about well, probably 10 years ago I read this book, Every Young Man's Battle. And there was like a page on there where it talked about starving the sumo. And it just caught my thought. And it's so powerful. And it's not just the area of sexual sin. It's the whole area. If, if we allow our weaknesses to grow, they become sumos. They become these giants that we face in our lives. And every one of us has these weaknesses that we're more susceptible to. Temptations that we just find harder to resist than other areas. Maybe it's negative thinking, self-doubt, lies. Could be pornography, gossip, negative words. Maybe your area of weakness is money or alcohol or, or drugs. But there'll be something that you're a little bit weaker in or, or the temptation is easy to knock you down. But it also could be the things that you don't do. You know, those things like not spending time with God or ignoring the family. The longer you don't do those things the bigger the sumo gets and the harder it is to start doing those things. Because they are also sin as well when we choose not to do the things that we know we should. But we need to be smart on how we take on these things. I've asked James, he's been a willing servant, uh, not servant, that's the wrong word, willing um, volunteer, yeah, unwilling volunteer really. Let's give James a hand as he comes down. 
It's awesome, isn't it? The question is, what's, your, what's the sumo that you're facing? And how do you take it on? Oh, you look awesome. <laughs> See, the thing is, you know, we can try and battle the sumo, you know, punch the sumo, but we're not going to get anywhere. I could come back. Now, James is a little bit smaller than that sumo, but, you know, I could run at the sumo, and I'm probably just going to bounce off, right? It's not going to work because the sumo is so big. But also the question is actually not just how big is the sumo, how big are we spiritually? You know, are we like that little boy in the spirit? Because there's no way that's going to happen. See, we can't just battle the sumo. It's too big. We've got to be smart. So what is the key? Come on, starve. Starve the sumo. So we're not going to fight it. We're going to be smart. We're just going to come. And starve the sumo. See, as soon as the sumo reduces down to a normal size, we can actually start taking it on. We can start saying no. But then the other is true. We've got to start feeding the spirit. See, imagine if the sumo James became that, like that little kid and we became like Arnie, the terminator in the spirit. Well, all of a sudden the temptation comes along and we just push it off. Why? Because we're able to overcome. Because we've reduced that temptation in our lives. Because we're starving it. We're not feeding it. Let's give James a hand. I hope you can remember it. Adrian's grinning on the front row because I said in the first service that he was going to have to do it in the second, but he didn't. How are you dealing with those weaknesses? How are you dealing when that war is happening inside of you, what are you doing with it? Do you say no one time and yes the next, and the truth is it keeps getting bigger? See, we need to be smart and not put ourselves in those situations that will lead to sin. You know, I don't laugh on the outside, but I laugh inside when I hear these Christian couples saying, you know, the Christian unmarried couples, oh, we're living together, but we're being pure. I'm like, Why? Why put yourself in that situation? We're all human. You know, why go there? Why go to the movies and watch something silly? I read my, my brother over in America went along to a movie as a family. I thought, oh, it'll be okay. 30 minutes later, they had to walk out of the movie. But at least they walked out of the movie. You know, turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. We have to stay as far away from the line as we can. We have to... Deal with those weaknesses and avoid them and be honest with ourselves and go, actually, that is a sumo in my life and I have to deal with it. So I want you all to invite, I want to invite you all to join me this year in starving the sumo or maybe even the sumos that are in your lives. See, as I conclude, please don't let this message condemn you. We all have giants, addictions maybe, areas of weakness that we are going to face because we will keep being tempted until the day we die. But Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That mercy and grace, that amazing grace is available to us. 
Dwight Eisenhower once said, war is a terrible thing, but if you're going to get into it, you've got to get into it all the way. See, we can't underestimate the power of the enemy, that power of that temptation, that power of that sumo that's in our lives. If we underestimate it, we're sure to lose. But the war within, as long as we live, if we understand and deal with it and step into that battle wholeheartedly, we will win. If we fully engage the battle using God's resources, His Holy Spirit, the amazing grace that we heard about, and starving those things, starving those things that have got too big or too powerful in our lives, but feeding the spirit man, that's also the key. We not only can win, we will win. We will win this battle. Church, we can do it. Join with me. And this year we're going to win the battle of the sumo. Amen? Amen. Let's have the band, please. Please, I do want to invite you. I think a revelation is, look, we're always going to face something. Jesus got tempted. Apostle Paul got tempted. We all get tempted. Let's, let's shrink these sumos down. Well, let's stand and sing. We're going to sing that song, My Chains Are Gone. Let's really declare it, because that's the thing. Jesus has already won. He's already done it. Let's, let's sing and declare it.